Hey there, and welcome to You Talk. We connect with amazing people from across Canada and ask them about their stories, passions, and experiences. I'm your host, Ryan Funk. The harvest season and fall have significance for many people and cultures. The end of October signifies Halloween, but for Mexico, it's also their celebration of Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. Here's Alberto, president of the Mexican Association of Manitoba, to teach us about Mexico, the association, and of course, the Day of the Dead. My name is uh, Alberto Velasco Acosta, and uh, I I wear a few hats. Um, I'll say in in the personal I've been in Canada for 16 years now. Came here originally as a student. My university, I'm originally from Mexico, so my university in Mexico has uh, this exchange student program, student exchange program with the U of M. And um, that's what brought me to Manitoba in the first place, having that international experience at the U of M. Uh, then uh, went back home. Um, I had met someone here, so I came back and uh, I uh, started a family with two beautiful boys, and uh, that's that story. Um, and um, that 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 was a while ago. And like I said, I'm originally from Mexico. It's a city called uh, Morelia. It's right in the center of, of the country. It's uh, for those that I know that Mexico is somewhat familiar here, but most of the people tend to think about Mexico on uh, Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, Cancun, the resorts. Yeah, the vacation areas. The vacation areas, right? Right at the beach and so on. But there's a different type of uh, tourism in Mexico to call somehow. It's uh, the old colonial cities and um, those tend to be at the, in the center and, and my city is one of them, Morelia. It's, uh, for those, a way to explain it is think of Quebec City and how French Quebec City is, but it would be the Spanish version, right? Like my city is colonial Spanish, Spanish from uh, back in the day. Um, so that's where I'm from, size, about the same size as Winnipeg in terms of population. Uh, okay. That, that made it very easy for me to blend in in Winnipeg with the, the feel the feel and and vibe of a medium-sized uh, city like like Winnipeg. So that's on the personal side. And, and um, on, on the professional side of things, I wear, I wear a hat as a, uh, um, as the guy that sells Winnipeg to international companies that are growing. So I work at um, Economic Development Winnipeg, and in a nutshell, that's what I do. I talk and connect with partners outside of Canada and with companies outside of Canada and talk to them about how Winnipeg can be the uh, the best location for the next investment or the next expansion plans and um and it's it's fun it's fun to talk about why winnipeg is such a great city yeah well the the world is becoming more globalized so you need to look for those budding opportunities of corporations and businesses all around the world yeah and it's uh it, it's it's fun as well because some, sometimes people don't we lose track of the fact that um that we're competing at that level as well right i mean uh, think of company ABC and they're growing, they're doing so well that they need to have uh, another presence in North America, <laughs> a new distribution center. But we're not the only ones talking to them. It may be Edmonton, it may be Calgary, it may be Saskatoon or in the States, right? It may be Kansas City, it may be Memphis. Um, and, and we got to compete head to head, showing to them why Winnipeg is the best place. Um, and it is, and it is. 
Uh, on the volunteer side of things, I work um, uh, right now as the president of the Mexican Association of Manitoba. And it is a group that has been around for 16, 17 years. And the, um, the goal of this group is to promote uh, the Mexican culture and also to, to serve as a hub for the Mexicans that live in, in the province. So that's been part of um, the, uh, my volunteer work, but also keeps me very engaged with the community. And um, it's very rewarding to see that we get to uh, have the opportunity to promote what Mexico is uh, as a culture, right? Beyond the resort, beyond what people may read in the news, there's more to it. And I know that's very commonsensical, but it's very easy to lose track of. So we're we're taking that on as 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 a group that can show what Mexico is as a culture. And, and like I said, also as a connecting hub, right? Because whenever there's a new uh, Mexican landing in Winnipeg as a student, as a as as a worker or as an immigrant, they tend to uh, look us up because they um, we all feel the need to get connected with our own with our own uh, culture. Um, and for any practical matters, and not just Mexicans, but any Latino immigrant coming over here, um, they find us and they they like to um, uh, join us in how we celebrate Mexican and Latino culture. So. That was a big, long intro, Ryan. <laughs> a quick glimpse of um, who Alberto is. Hey, no worries. It's always exciting to find out about people I'm talking to and what they're all involved in. Let's talk a little bit more about the Mexican Association. And you also mentioned other like Latino cultures. You know, why is it important to have that base here in Winnipeg to connect all these different uh, individuals? from Central and South America. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's um, obviously every culture is different, but um, there are some cultures that we we have this need of connecting with our own when you're abroad, when you're in a different country, because um, we're very proud of our culture and we want to keep uh, communicating in our language and having the same context, context point of references, you know? Um, and I think that the Latino culture is very much like that. We like to land in a new country and we want to find our own. We want to find people that speak Spanish, people that understand our jokes, um, people that understand where we're coming from. And that is a natural thing. And, and you can see it anywhere around the world. If people were to Google Mexican or Latino association or community in X, there'll be yeah, there'll be one place. Yeah, because we all have the need to um, to connect, right, and to feel uh, like we're building a piece of home in a new home, right? Um, and that's and that's a need that we have as as a Mexican culture and as a Latino culture, and we know that that's what we need, and that's what we're trying to recreate those uh, those opportunities for people to come and feel a little bit like home in a new home. That's incredibly important, kind of feeling connected to your roots and being able to celebrate your culture because as we've seen you know throughout history a lot of people have lost some of their culture and who they were and it sucks it, it sucks when you're disconnected from something that is just so important to many people yeah absolutely and you know what for many of us including myself been in canada for 16 years and i got two boys um Jamie is 14 and emilio is 10 they're growing over here right and they're they go to uh, the uh, at the, the French Franco Manitoban school division, so they're they're having their education in French, um, obviously English. They pick it up in the in the environment, 
So for me, it was very important for them to speak Spanish and to understand the culture that they have, right? Um, and I'm not the only one. There's many of us, uh, Mexicans that land in Manitoba, we're having kids. And we, it's important for us, for the kids to, to, to learn that. Um, and the type of activities that we organize help us to transmit some of those uh, cultural elements and the heritage down to the next generation. I think it's really exciting, like these movements of people wanting to uh, reclaim and keep a uh, heritage and culture going. I know right now uh, I, I recently got into TikTok and I go down that rabbit hole sometimes a little longer than I should. But there's a, a lot of people of European descent who are trying to find their ethnic European heritage again. That's kind of been, yeah, it's become homogenous, right, like in Europe uh, of culture. So there's a lot of people trying to reclaim it. And it's super cool, like seeing that aspect of like uh, Ukraine has some really cool history and, and culture there. And their fashion and art is just so fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and every culture is like that, right? I mean, for hundreds of years, those cultures have been developing their own way of uh, cooking, the food, art, how, the, how people express themselves. Uh, dance is a, is a way that we all have in common on how we express ourselves. And, um, and when you connect with those different elements, it makes you feel identified to that larger group, right? And oftentimes that larger group is because that's where you come from and and that's uh, that's what your family represents and when you try to reconnect to your roots um, you start to realize that a lot of the things that you took for granted start to make sense right or little things that they were different at home from what you saw in other places um, they those are things that have a place in in your culture so little things that uh people start to realize once they start digging into the roots, right? That's a, another amazing part of like various cultural uh, and ethnic um, associations and organizations throughout Canada and the world, being able to share that culture with others, like at culture festivals or various celebrations. It's so much fun to go somewhere and be like, oh, what is this? Tell me a little bit about your culture and heritage and then finding a little, like tasting the food. It's always so exciting, like multicultural events. It, they are exciting. And, and one of the the awesome things about those type of events is that oftentimes people realize that we got more in common than, than not. Go into a different culture and say, oh, you guys also do that? Um, or you guys also eat this? Or you also use this other ingredient? And it's when you find those commonalities that makes you realize that, yeah, we're different, but we're also very connected as as different as we may be as cultures, right? One uh, thing to think about would be like, um, I guess dumplings would be thing. Like there's so many different places that have a dumpling-esque kind of food. Like you have dump uh, dumplings in very uh, many Asian communities. Uh, you have like pierogies in the Ukraine kind of area. You got empanadas in Latin America, right? Which yep. is the same idea. Um, in Italy, they got calzones, which they're bigger, but the same principle, right? But yeah, you're right. There's those common, there's commonalities all throughout. What can you tell me a little bit about the Mexican and Latino community, at least here in Winnipeg, when people are looking at the various uh, uh, cultural communities, one of the big ones is Filipinos here in uh, Winnipeg. And you don't necessarily hear too much about the uh, the Latin countries here. So what can you tell me a little bit about that? It's a, it's a community that is growing, fortunately. And uh, one of the things that um, 
we love at the Mexican Association is, like I said before, is that we we also attract other Latinos, right? Not, not necessarily just Mexicans. So a case in point, um, in mid-September, we celebrated the Mexican Independence Day. We had this awesome event at the park. And um, it was beautiful to see that not just Mexicans had shown up, but we had people from Ecuador, from Peru, from Brazil, from Colombia, from Guatemala, and everybody was just celebrating as much as we were, right? And and that is important to to see and to realize because even though we're we're coming the most of us from Mexico, there's other cultures that identified with the culture and the commonalities that we have within the region, right? And I'm and and I mentioned those differences because um, when I first got here in in Manitoba a while back, um, I had people saying, "Oh, pff, there's a lot of Mexican." Mexican people here in, in Manitoba, the Mexican community is, is big. And then, like I said before, as every every Mexican will do, I started digging, right? Like, where are you? Where, what, how can I get connected to them? And then what I started realizing is that, um, yes, they, they're Mexicans, but there weren't that many. So, but the Latino community was bigger than that. And I know that there was a big uh, community from El Salvador in, in Central America and from Chile. And those, those communities came back in the 70s, right? So they uh, were a large community and they've been here for quite a while. So they were well-established. Um, and then you had other uh, Central American countries like Nicaragua and um, other countries that have been trickling down. So then I stepped back as, and, and I was thinking maybe the perception from the non-Latinos is that all of them, all of us were Mexican, right? Because so, that there's there's quite a the community from El Salvador, from uh, Nicaragua, from Chile, they're big. So maybe that was the perception. And that's what we said. Maybe we should also, as we promote Mexican culture, also promote the diversity within Latin America in the sense that not everybody's Mexican. And there's nothing wrong with being called to Mexican where you're not. But um, we got to respect the diversity within Latin America. So... Um, we got to, and that's what we love working with our brothers and sisters of the Colombian Association, the uh, El Salvador's Association, the Peruvian Association, um, because that is important to do that type of awareness, right? That Latin America is is more than Mexico. It's really important to have that awareness and engagement with the community, because although it may not be um, incredibly offensive compared to like some other things. You know, it, it, it isn't cool to, like, mix up various cultural groups and ethnicities and uh, countries. Everyone is unique and different, and we should learn about those differences. There are similarities, but that's just how we can connect and then learn further about each other. Exactly, exactly. And I guess a similar, a similar situation that uh, uh, may be more uh, closer to home from other communities is you see you see cultures like <clears throat> those from Poland, Ukraine, and that part of part of Europe. They also share a lot of similarities, right? Um, and you you do the same with the Mediterranean countries like Italy and uh, Spain and Portugal and those countries in Northern Africa. So it makes sense that the region um, shares a lot of commonalities and uh, may be seen as a one block. And that's good, but it's also good to see the diversity within that block, right? And and that's what we're trying to do in, in the Latin American community as well. The big question always is over these last uh, almost two years now is how has COVID affected the uh, Mexican Association? Yeah, that's an interesting question because it, it did affect big time. A clear example or a key uh, 
case in point is the uh, Mexican Pavilion at Folkorama. So I, I believe that almost, I'm assuming, Folkorama is well known in, in Winnipeg and Manitoba. And uh, as you know, it's, it's the longest cultural fest, multicultural festival in Canada over 40 years uh, that that has been in operation. And the Mexican community, we've been trying to put up a good a pavilion for for the, for the festival. And that's a way for us to continue doing what we do, which is promoting the Mexican culture and um, attract more Latinos to what we do. Um, and I believe that we have been successfully doing that. We had a pavilion that was very busy, highly attended. People, uh, they gave us great feedback on what they were seeing in terms of show, food, and and, <clears throat> and, and an arts display. Just to give you an idea, the last pavilion we had was in 2018, right? That was the last we had normal things in, in mass with lots of people. At the Mexican pavilion, we had <clears throat> just over 22,000 people coming to the pavilion throughout the week. Wow. I know, I know. Those are and insane numbers. Those are great numbers. And that's why we would rent in the third floor of the uh, convention center, right? Because we needed <clears throat> we needed that much space. Um, oftentimes we were sold out with a thousand people because that was the capacity of, of the place. So a thousand people per show. So we found ourselves in a situation that we were fortunate to have that big platform to get to know, uh, to show the, the culture, but also, like I said, connect with the uh, Latino community and the broader Manitoba community. And all of a sudden the pandemic came and Folkorama was canceled and um, and there's no more pavilion, right? And and that was a big, big void that was left there because it was the big uh, family reunion. I mean, it was all fun um, sharing the culture and bringing performers from Mexico and being all proud about what they they have to show and it was great to have that many visitors but um the the personal reason for us to put the pavilion together is because it was a big family reunion in the sense that uh, all of the volunteers there um they're members of the community that oftentimes we don't necessarily see them all year long right because people are busy life takes takes over and people go in different directions but when it was time to organize and coordinate the pavilion boom there and and get it just made it happen, right? And uh, and it's that family reunion thing that that is also missing. Um, I mean, my boys, they've been volunteering at the pavilion since they were little, cleaning tables, moving stuff around, or even performing on stage. And they've been asking, when are we gonna have the pavilion back? Because it's it's a it's a it's a family affair thing. So that that's been a big void in in the community, right? When we can start having these large festivals again, it is just the energy and excitement. It's just going to be palpable. Like, it's going to be so exciting to finally go out, do these things, go to these events. I know for myself, I am feeling incredible. I'm getting to that point where I'm just feeling reckless, like feeling <laughs> anxious to do stuff. I, I hear you. And um, like I mentioned, in September, we had the Mexican Independence Day celebration. The first in-person event we had in two years, right? Almost towards, yeah, almost two years. Uh, since the Christmas party in 2018 or 19, 2019. Um, yeah, 20, 2019, because the pandemic hit in March. So December 2019, that was the last in-person event we had had. And, and then from there, it was just virtual events. We tried to keep up um, with the community and, and keep them active. 
with virtual classes on yoga, Spanish lessons for kids, salsa dance, salsa dancing lessons for adults and kids and kids. And, um, and we tried, but we saw that the attendance wasn't as active as in in-person events, right? So September, um, as we know, this September, uh, the COVID numbers are a little bit better. Uh, the lockdown was easing. So the restrictions were um, much softer by mid-September than they were anytime in the past two years, right? So we had this park and so it was always gonna be outdoors to minimize the risk. And um, we worked with the province in securing a vaccination bus. So we had a, a vaccination bus on site for people that either needed the, vaccina- the vaccine or what uh, they wanted to get the second or whatever, they had the option over there. Um, and, and it was a risk in the sense that we didn't know how comfortable people would be in participating in a live in, in-person event, right? So we organized all of this. And personally, I thought if there's 30 people that show up, that'll be a win, right? Because I, I would understand people are concerned. They may be worried about what's happening and maybe too, too many people. And luckily we had a good crowd. Um, I'll say uh, close to 100 people came and keeping physical distancing. Obviously, we're recommending people to stay distant in groups per family or per groups of friends. And, uh, but it was very rewarding to see that there were a lot of um, new Mexicans in the sense that people that had just arrived in Manitoba in less than a year, um, other Latinos, uh, families like from Ecuador, from uh, Guatemala, Colombia, Brazil, Peru, that they were new. So it was it was very rewarding, but in a clear example that we all need that in-person connection. For those who are ex, uh, extroverts, it's it's something that has been weighing. I have a couple of friends who are very introverted, so they've loved not having to go anywhere to see anyone. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Awesome. But, you know, for myself, it's like, I just want to do things. It's good. You got you to stay safe. You got to stay safe. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's super exciting. That is super cool that that event was able to happen with so many people. And it likely made many people's days or even like the year at that point. It definitely. It, it did it for me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Although some of the stores may be trying to tell us otherwise, it is the harvest Halloween season. Uh, I'm wearing a Halloween shirt right now. I'm super <laughs> excited about Halloween. Uh, and Halloween and this harvest time, this fall season, it has a lot of significance to many different cultures and peoples. One of the biggest ones is the, uh, the uh, Day of the Dead in uh, Mexico. Uh, we've seen it a little bit in media. I think it's the Book of Life as well as Coco. Talked about kind of right. those aspects a little bit. What can you tell me about this, uh, this cultural event in uh, Mexico? Yeah, it is a big celebration, and it's um, it's a little bit of a blend because just as a, uh, as a quick background story, what Mexico is, Mexico is a new country, right? Um, it's the result of the mix of um, the Europeans, mostly Spanish and Portuguese with the, with the uh, local First Nations communities, right? And before that, Mexico didn't exist. And um, as old as we sound, like the Aztecs and, and the Mayans, that was not Mexico. It was before Mexico, right? So 
And, and I say that because th things like celebrations like uh, Dia, de, Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, it's, it's a reflection of that mixing of some pre-Hispanic uh, traditions and the Spanish Catholic traditions. It, it's a blend. So what we do in, in Mexico is um, we all go to our family's graveyards and we bring food, the food that they used to like, right? Um, there's a traditional bread, Pan de Muertos, which is what we enjoyed that specific day. Uh, for for the little kids that passed away, there's candies. So uh, some people might have seen those uh, candy skulls that are... Yeah, the, sh the sugar skulls. The sugar skulls, yeah. So when, when there's a... There's a, a, a child that is deceased in the family, use that to uh, celebrate their, their life. Um, and we, we all show up at the graveyard. People bring, bring drinks, of course. Uh, tequila was the favorite drink of such uh, uh, relative or Corona uh, or beer, whatever it may be. And then the family gathers there, decorating the, the, uh, the, the tomb, the graveyard with flowers. There's uh, uh, marigold, I think is the name in English, Sempasuchil is the flower that we typically use. It's an orange flower. So you'll see orange flowers all over the place. And um, and then we stay till late at night, just telling stories, remembering those family relatives that had passed away. Um, because it's the, the tradition is uh, telling the story that those relatives are not dead as long as you keep them alive in your stories, right? So you got to keep passing on the stories of who great grandma was, who great great was, who, who that's, that such and such is, and the whole family is going to share whatever stories they they have left with those family members, right? Um, and it's also a way to pass on to the next generation, right? Like they might have not had the opportunity to uh, meet great great grandma, but they know that person through the stories that we share, right? Uh, and that that takes place mostly in central in central Mexico. I, I am from Michoacan. That's a state in central Mexico, and Michoacan is big on Dia de Muertos. Um, it's a big celebration. So um, we have um, altars or uh, yeah altars where we uh, decorate at home. You know, there's a whole tradition. Different levels. Each level has a meaning. And then we put the pictures of the family that we're celebrating uh, that day, Pan de Muertos, the, the Day of the Dead Bread, and then the, the sugar skulls if uh, there's uh, kids in, in the memories, and just decorate it, right? And, and you have that at home to talk about those, those family members. And that's what we do here in Canada, because um, I don't think it would be a good idea to go to anyone's tomb here in Canada <laughs> being the only family eating on, on top of it and you know but we we keep that tradition at home we do build that altar with the pictures and the decorations um, and we still talk about the stories here in here in Canada and um, I gotta say as, as the Mexican Association we're we're having uh, the other muertos celebrations on Saturday October the, the 30th. Um, there's going to be more information if people are curious about that on our website, mexicanmb.ca, or just look in the association on Facebook. They'll see the information on, on where it's going to be. It's going to be at the South Explosion Studio in downtown. And um, we'll be having some workshops for families to come and, and celebrate, right? Um, either doing some art crafts on sugar skulls, uh, pan de muertos, and just to uh, share a little bit of that 
uh, culture at limit with families here. Really cool, specifically about this this uh, festival is the connection uh, that it shows uh, Mexican families have to each other. It's it's that familial bond, that celebration of family history, telling stories, and then I think that's incredibly. Uh, cool and important to have. Yeah, it is. It is because it, it truly uh, is a celebration of your family, right? Because uh, that's how uh, we think. That's how you honor that great grandma or that um, uh, grandfather that worked hard or whatever the story may be. That's how you celebrate them. That's how you keep their legacy alive, but sharing those stories. Um, and, and those stories can go from anywhere, from funny stories, funny anecdotes to really touching stories. Uh, but the point is you um, share who they were, right? And that's that's very unique. Family coming together, connection, telling stories. It, it's almost very similar to, besides the whole uh, commercialized version of it, but uh, like Christmas <laughs> as well for right. many communities of coming together, family and just enjoying each other's company. That's what we try to keep up with here in here in Canada, here in Manitoba. It's really rewarding to see that uh, uh, not just Latinos, but we got other non-Latino Canadians coming and wanted to learn about how how we celebrate uh, Dia de Muertos, right? Which is right after Halloween. So so we are um, a thousand percent Canadian celebrating on the 31st. And the next day, uh, we flip back to our uh, complete Mexican-ness by celebrating Dia de Muertos on November 1st and 2nd. The more festivals and more holidays to celebrate, the better, right? Why not? <laughs> uh, how do you feel representation uh, of this uh, holiday and festival uh, has been in media? You know what? It's been picking up. Like, um, I, I remember when I first came to Canada 16 years ago, there was nothing. Like, uh, what people knew of Mexico was very limited. And again, going back to Puerto Vallarta, whatever they see at the beach. Uh, but um, in the in the past few years, in very recent years, people are starting to get a little bit of an appreciation of what else is happening there, right? Like you mentioned it, the movies like The Book of Life, Coco, uh, really do a good job in in explaining what those traditions are from the inside. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised at the great job that Coco had, or Disney had done with the uh, the movie Coco, right? When it was coming out, I was a little bit concerned, just like, oh, okay, let's see what Hollywood did with Michael. <laughs> uh, it's like, let's see what kind of modifications they had to make. But when I watched it, I was really touched because they... Um, they did a good job in going into the culture, learning the traditions, learning how things are, the the, uh, the stories behind it, and uh, they built up the storyline for Coco. So that was that was really well done. Even things like the alebrijes, you know, those funny animals. Alebrijes is like, who picked that up? They did, and they put it in the movie because alebrijes is so local that only Mexicans would know what alebrije is, but they put it in the movie. It's like, that was so well done. Um, so to, to, to your point, I think that I see the positive of it, that it's becoming more and more well-known. Um, I'll say that what is very traditional in Dia de Muertos is getting that makeup as, um, as a skeleton. The name of it is Katrin Katrina. I don't even know what the right, the literal translation would be, but Katrina is like a very elegant woman, right? Katrin is the very elegant man with tuxedo, a hat, and class, right? Um, and in Mexico started by people making fun of rich people saying, it doesn't matter how much money you have, 
and how elegant and how distant you may feel from us, common people, you're still going to die. <laughs> you're still going to die at the end of the day, like many of us, right? So <laughs> that was the thinking behind Katrina and Katrina. And that's why um, if people go with it, the, a, a very common thing to do is to dress up as Katrina and Katrina, which is very elegant. And, but you, you use the makeup as, as a skeleton, right? All black and white and so on. Now that is becoming more streamlined. Now I go to uh, to the Halloween stores here in Winnipeg and I see a Dia de Muertos kit where people can paint themselves. Um, and I've had a few people asking me, uh, is that offensive to you guys, Mexicans, that people just buy those kits and do the makeup as Dia de Muertos? And I've talked about this with my Mexican friends, like, what do you guys think? I'm like, I'm not offended. I'm actually... Uh, it's it's great for me to see that other people are willing to share my culture and to live it somehow. And but I was asking my fr- my Mexican friends like, what do you guys think? Should we feel offended? I don't feel offended. And, uh, and the consensus was that I don't think anybody feels offended. If if people are uh, curious about learning about what we do and putting that type of makeup on as part of the tradition, and if they want to do it, that's so that's a that's a that's a first step into people being being curious on what else uh, we do in Mexico to celebrate things like this, right? There, there's definitely a, a little bit of a, like whether or not something is cultural appropriation or cultural like um, cultural appreciation. Um, yeah, someone's going in like, oh, this is interesting, and then it inspires them to go to associations like the Mexican Association or find out about other cultures. It, it can definitely be a means. I mean, in terms of commercialization, corporations will do anything (laughs) (laughs) to make money. But at least it starts to get the idea out there in people's head to be like, oh, what is this? They Google it. They learn more. Potentially, it can help people find these different cultural institutes. And and I think that that, that that's how we like to see it, right? Is it may be an invitation, a gateway into learning more about, about what we do. And that, I guess that speaks, um, I'm just thinking a lot over here, is very consistent to the way that we Mexicans and Latinos see our culture in the sense that we don't keep our culture in the house. Like, we don't lock itself in inside our little bubble. We're very proud of what we are, what uh, what we do as, as a culture. Um, and we'd like to share it. Like, like I said, we do events, we do the pavilion and... We open, we open our, our our homes to it, right? The uh, the famous phrase, "Mi casa es tu casa," my home is your home, because we like to share everything, right? So I guess when when things like that happen, that we start seeing the Dia de Muertos makeup sold, being sold in Walmart and so all of that, I don't think it's, it's consistent with that feeling of we want wanting to share what what we do and who we are, right? We're not necessarily protecting like no, this is just just for us, and nobody should be. Uh, touching it type of thing. Well, Alberto, it's been fantastic talking with you, learning more about Mexican culture, a little bit about other Latino cultures as well, and the uh, Mexican Association. Just to kind of uh, wrap things up, where can people find out more about the Mexican Association? And in terms of Mexican culture, what is one thing you hope people walk away with from this uh, chat? Um, I love I love those questions. So first, to find us out, uh, our website is just Mexican, but that's uh, M-E-X-Y-C-A-N-M-B.ca. That's a play on words in Spanish, right? Like Mexico, 
E-Y means and, uh, <laughs> and Canada. So Mexican, but it's also Mexican, right? Anyway. Oh, that's clever. That's clever. I like that. It makes sense Spanish, but if you don't, you don't speak Spanish, like, what do you have a Y in the middle, right? Uh, or they can find us on Facebook, Mexican Association of Man- Manitoba, like that. They'll find us up. We only got one page. And that that is the best way to get connected because either Facebook or Instagram, we're constantly updating what's going on. Any event, any anything going on with the community here is going to be posted up there. Um, and we're also connected with the Mexican consulate in Toronto and the Mex- Mexican embassy in Ottawa. So whenever they got something to share, they send it to us and we post post that um, those communications on, on our social media. So that is the best way to stay connected. Um, in terms of what is the key takeaway is that um, uh, uh, I would love to encourage people to feed that curiosity of what, what else is going on in Mexico. What else is happening beyond what you see on the news in the newspaper that it, there may be things saying that it's dangerous, that there's shootings, that cartels and so on. Uh, yes, that is part of the reality, but it's not the full reality, right? There's more to it. Um, Mexico is also more than Acapulco and Cancun and Cabo. It's like, yes, that is part of the country. It's part of the reality, but it's not the only part. So I would encourage people to just be curious and dig a little bit deeper. What else is happening? What else can people see and learn and touch and feel in in a country like Mexico and Latin America? Because every country has its unique taste, right? Colombia has beautiful things going on. Peru as well, Ecuador, Brazil, um, the Chile. People just need to hopefully have that curiosity, right? If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk, and have yourself a good one.